the kiss and the kiss yeah the kiss i like the band the kiss you know it's a very nice anyway okay take 75 all right kiss army you wanted the best you got the best now close your eyes you're about to be podcasting And with that familiar music, you know you are listening to your podcast. I am Ken Mills, and I'm joined by our co-host, Gary Schaller. Gary, I am Gary Schaller, and I'm joined by our host, Ken Mills. Oh, well, thank you. It's good to be joined by anyone. <laughs> Today, we have a very cool episode. Somebody recently put out an excellent book, and the name of that book is, Gary? Gene, Ace, Peter, and Paul. Aha. And this is not just a book about those four guys, okay? This is a book that I think every KISS fan needs to own because there's lots of things in history that get hyped. Everything in history gets hyped. There's lots of exaggeration throughout history. There's lots of ways to look at something. And certainly KISS try to present things as largely as they can. Uh-huh. But this is one event in history that even if you sift, even if you kind of push away all the exaggeration, the sales numbers, whatever, this really happened, and the fact that it happened really does set Kiss apart from just about any other band. Uh-huh. Agreed. And today on the podcast hotline, we have author Julian Gill. Welcome, sir. You're also a fellow podcaster, and you have the KISS FAQ podcast that we want folks to check out. They are podcast approved. Podcast approved! So I know that I spend quite an hour or two uh, enjoying this show and it's it's really positive and it's great to hear all the guys so hello to all the staff of the kiss faq podcast from all of us here at the podcast welcome julian ken and gary thank you very much for having me on and thank you for those kind words about the kiss faq podcast you know we've got a terrific bunch of guys there who are just getting together and having a blast talking about the thing we all love kiss absolutely and i think that some you know shows get out in front of it and they kind of think that they're like what the show is about but all of our shows are really a love letter about our fandom and i was reading this new book that you have and you really do come at this from a fan's point of view in all the research that was done and all the knowledge that was gathered this is the kind of stuff that you won't find on your average talk show. This is the kind of stuff you won't find in your average rock and roll magazine. It really does break down the thought behind each solo album and it goes into depth as far as I'm concerned as far as to the creative process quite a bit. Would you like to discuss how you came to create this book? You know, the the creation of this book is um, all down to Tim McFate, who was co-administrator of the KISS FAQ. Uh-huh. He came up with the idea of celebrating the 
the anniversary, it would have been the 35th anniversary back in 2013, of the solo album's release by interviewing as many people of the third parties associated with the creation of those albums. And he came up, well, we both came up with a very long list of musicians, producers, people in the back office, just all sorts of different people who had touched these solo albums to try and go out and talk to them with out necessarily talking to any of the band members to see if the stories of those who helped create the albums married up with what the band members had said in their autobiographies. Of course, Paul's hadn't been out by then. But, uh, you know, who came up with it? Tim. Tim's idea. And we just worked together on uh, putting it together um, back then as a web feature. Well, what was some of the biggest challenges that you had to face as far as taking this from something that originally was, you know, created to be part of the KISS FAQ website and making it into a book, what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced? I think the first one is to decide whether I was going to turn the interviews into a written narrative. And I quickly decided that I didn't want to do that. I wanted to give these people their full voice um, and just present all the interviews singularly, but in a book format. Then we had to decide which of the additional features did we want to include because the solo albums and 1978 is just such a, a big era of the band we wanted to make sure that when we're talking about the solo albums we're talking about everything to do with the band in that year because it all ties together for the bigger uh -huh. picture and Absolutely. then of course the last 10 months have been knocking all of that into shape into publishable format and you know what that's been a pretty big challenge too and there's a lot of really neat stuff especially uh, you know as as a kiss collector and it, it's really neat to see things like uh, the features on the the kiss cards and stuff like that could you talk about how you decided to do that sort of thing well in doing a lot of the looking around for you know different additional information about 1978 and all the things that really sum up what kiss was becoming at that time I kind of thought what are the things from 78 that really scream kiss to me, as a, someone who wasn't a fan in 78, um, I thought trading cards, you know, those were iconic images, you know, really cool collectibles that are still highly collectible um, and still very interesting that I, I figured we have to have something about the merchandising that was really starting to explode. And for me, the, the trading cards really just summed it up nicely. So I wanted to write a little feature on the trading cards and also that touches a little bit on the trading card industry itself at the end of the 70s um, and I actually saw a, a very very good online article about the trading cards that inspired me to you know check out all the duplicates and document it that way There's one thing I definitely want to uh, get into real quick because I don't want it to be overlooked. Sometimes we talk so much about the contents of the book that we don't really talk about the cover. I would like you to mention the gentleman's name who designed the cover. And I'll, it, it, is, it is just so fantastic because to me it just screams Kiss 1978, those solo album posters mm -hmm. especially. Can you tell us who, who designed that and give him some props and a shout out? You know, 
I would be remiss not to give Nils Bruxfensen a shout-out, a loud one. I mean, if I could get a megaphone and stick it up to this microphone and give him a major shout-out for the extremely cool artwork that he created for the book. Um, the cover is absolutely stunning. You know, I, I just left it with him. I said, do something that sums up 1978 to you. Um, I, I didn't ask for anything specifically. I, I said, what can you create if you're interested in doing this project, number one, um, that really would cover the book properly? And what he came up with, it plays off so many elements that will, are instantly recognizable to anyone who had the Solom posters, you know, or, or the packaging itself. It plays off that so perfectly. And just the quality of the work that he's done is absolutely outstanding. And it's, we get compliments. You know, the artwork, it's the first thing you see with a book. And he absolutely nailed it. Absolutely. It's the perfect marriage of the, uh, I'm not going to, Vince, I forget how to say his, Caruio, I think. The paintings that are on the front covers of the solo records and the artwork that's on the posters, it's like the perfect blend of those two styles. And, I mean, you're right, you couldn't, you couldn't ask for a better cover. Yeah, it plays, plays off all those 1978 themes, yet it looks modern and vibrant, and the colors are just exquisite. I also appreciate that you, uh, you know, for the title, you use the font that is found on the back of the cover of the, uh, well, and the front too, right? The, the the sort of solo album font. That that just ties it together so perfectly again. Uh, but everything like that is down to down to the artist. I, I think my input was just thank you very much. That's absolutely beautiful. Well, hats just... off to Nils and to Tim for all for all they did for this book and and to. You, because, you know, I'll tell you what, this book, I mean, not only is this um, book, book number, what, eight, nine, ten, something that you've written, I have a whole shelf of Julian Gill Kiss books. Um, I really <laughs> do. And, uh, and, and they're all great. But but this book is unique because I don't think anybody has ever written a book about the 1978 Kiss solo albums. No, and I don't think anyone else will ever do it again either. It, <laughs> it's really an arcane period of the the band's history because... There's still a perception of the solo albums being a failure, while it remains, you know, such an incredible accomplishment. Or even that the they were audacious enough, and that's Casablanca, the band, Bill O'Coin, the whole the whole gang to, that even went for it. But there's a a perception that there was failure in the number of returns. So it, it's it's not going to be one of those areas that I think anyone wants to cover too much. And this book should meet you know, the majority of those answers. You know, reading through the book, a phrase that kept popping into my head, that it's almost like the theme of the book and the theme of the solo albums, is never mind that, it really happened. You know, like you're saying, all of the kind of controversy around how many sold and, how, you know, did they undersell, um, did they overship, um, you know, what were the various, you know, interpersonal problems that went into making these records and so on, was the band really getting along? Um, it doesn't matter. This really happened. At the end of the day, you still have these four records with the Kiss logo on them, and they did what no other band ever did. Yeah, and that, that's a great point to to really kind of stress is that throughout the book is a theme of celebration. These are these are musicians, professional musicians, producers. You know, every everyone who we spoke to looked back on this event as something special.
You're watching a machine turn soft, hot plastic into cold, hard cash. Breaking records by making records. More than four million of them. It's the biggest single batch of new albums ever packaged in one day for worldwide distribution. That tops even the Beatles at their best. And everyone else who ever tried to turn a profit at 33 and a third revolutions per minute. The place is a pressing plant in Los Angeles, center city of the rock music world. The group is KISS, the label's Casablanca, and the ultimate payoff, a staggering $40 million. Pure platinum. But more than that, almost a sure thing going in, because KISS, like a handful of other top groups, never sell less than a million albums. And because no matter who performs, today's incredible demand for rock always seems to outrun that available supply by a big money mile. home here at the retail counter. In just two weeks, each and every one of these four million albums are bought and gone. And as fast as the machines in L.A. can stamp them out, there are four million second editions and four million more after that. And on and on and on. But there's more to all this than money-making machines and mass-produced music. There's hard marketing, too. In the case of KISS, each member of the four-man group competes alone with his own solo album. And that's unheard of in any business other than this. But here's the bottom line. The KISS versus KISS gimmick is an unqualified runaway success. Each album is well past the million mark and headed for two, maybe even three before it's over. And all the projections show that the rock album boom has only just begun. Not only for KISS, but for everyone else in the rock music business. From Los Angeles, I'm Chuck Ashman. any of the solo albums or the songs or the music these are the people who gave time and yeah sure they were getting paid for it but they really celebrate what the band and the label were trying to do uh -huh. and it's still amazing to consider that this was a band that had four personalities within it that could actually even release individual solo albums and simultaneously that's just absolutely insane even to think of this in, in this day and age well you think about it the uh, Stones couldn't do it the Beatles couldn't do it. The Monkees couldn't do it. Who really could? And and there have been a couple people who have paid homage to it. But the, the, the only thing I can even think of that remotely came to this, you know, recently Green Day did something similar where each band member released a solo album with a 
similar cover, but they were spread out like over a month a piece, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that was Uno dos Tres. Yeah, but there was no real cultural impact from that. No, because it's a different time. Yeah, absolutely. It's a different day and age. You know, number one, it's all digital. Mm. And number two, those weren't individual solo albums. Those were just three different sorts of albums recorded by Green Day. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so if, even if I though, correctly, and I'm not a Green Day fan by any stretch of the imagination, uh-huh. but you know, even though they they attempted to do something in that similar vein, I can't think of anybody really coming even close to this. And like we said, having the zero cultural impact, you know, as opposed to this, I I, I think we need to talk about what it was like for people at the time. You would see advertisements. And record stores were pushing this like crazy. And there were, you know, advertisements on the TV and on the radio, you know, the, the four Kiss solo albums. And it was, it was really amazing as a fan to see. It was something that you really cannot explain to people who were not there. But thankfully your book is out there and it kind of can take a person back to those times. And I, I for one, am glad. Uh, Let's talk about how you personally rank the solo albums. Which one is first, second, third, and fourth? I've always put Paul as number one. Well, that pretty much is, any time I think about Kiss, Paul is number one. But his solo album was the first one I heard. The striking chords at the beginning of Tonight You Belong to Me resonate in my head even to this day. You know, for the first time I heard that. Um, I just love his album. He, he's the, really, for me, the voice of Kiss, and his album is most Kiss-like, so it's it's most comfortable in my mind. So, okay. Number two, that would be Aces. All Aces, right. just the guitar on that album is outstanding. His vocals are just outstanding. Everything about that just screams growth. you know. And, and all of that kind of comes back to what I've learned since becoming a fan you know, in the mid-80s, just to know how much he'd grown on that album. It's outstanding, absolutely fantastic. So then who comes in at number three? Number three would be Gene. You know, Uh there's some songs on that album that I really do love. See You Tonight is just fantastic. I like his harder rock songs, Radioactive's a good piece of rock music. His Kiss songs that he did on there, Burning Up With Fever. What is it, See You In Your Dreams? You know, those are really good. But it's just too all over the place. There's... I can't stand the Disney song at the end, and there's a little bit too much eclectic, you know, uh, experimentation, which just doesn't work for me. And some of his material I just find is uh, pretty low quality, tunnel of love, really. But I guess in 1978. Oh, it's about a vagina. I just got that. (laughs) (laughs) Which leaves us in fourth place. Fourth place, unfortunately, is Peter. You know, when I first heard that album, I had no no connection with any of that style of music whatsoever. But again, in the years since, you learn where the material comes from. All the interviews with Peter, you learn more about Peter. You, you understand his perspective and where he's coming from more. So I respect the album a lot more now than I did then. It's still my least favorite. But you know what? I've played it quite a bit lately while I was finishing up the book, and it was a constant companion to me. And, I, you know, I do like the lip stuff. Uh-huh. Mm. You know, obviously when you're making this 
book, you're probably learning a lot about the, the making of the records that you didn't know before. I, certainly when I read the stuff that Tim had done, I, I learned a lot about the records and, and reading your book, I'm learning even more. What did you learn, Julian, about each of the solo albums that either you, you really didn't know and or changed your perception of the record? Well, let's, let me answer the second part of that, that first. I, I would say what changed my perception is the interviews with the, the guys who did Gene's album really changed my per- perception about that. I, I mean, I've just kind of bashed the album a little bit for being eclectic and all over the place. But what I got out of a lot of the interviews with the people who worked on Gene's album is just how passionate he was, how serious he was, how, how much he cared about the music that he was making. And that that kind of changes my opinion of it being eclectic or you know substandard that he was enjoying what he was doing and that he was having a blast celebrating the opportunity that he was experiencing by making a solo album. So that, that's probably the, the one standout thing. Aces is another one. When we look at all the interviews that are done about his album, there's just a, a passion for guitar that comes through and that he's stepping up and that he's working hard and that he's focused and he's dedicated and he he's having fun through it all as well so you hear you hear people talking about ace enjoying what he's doing and and being challenged and eddie getting him to give the best vocal performance that he could i mean Ace starts out the solo project thinking that he's going to have to get guest vocalists for his album because he doesn't think he can handle doing all the vocals himself but he's persuaded to do it all himself and he does it all himself I mean, if, if any one of the solo albums is a real solo album, it's Aces. We, we, we talk to people about Peter's album, and it really comes across of more that, that Peter's almost a guest on his own solo album. So it, it gives a certain amount of sadness that, you know, with the circumstance of what may have been going on, and Peter talks about that in his autobiography, that there's it's it's really kind of cobbled together sean's doing certain things before Vinny comes into the picture um so there's a little bit of sadness that he's not able to create his solo album with the same celebration of ace or the joy of gene and paul is just the 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 pure business of i'm making music and enjoying life life's a party and so is my solo album Were there any things about Paul's that surprised you? Because that seems like the one, in a way, that, that there would be the least surprises or that you'd almost come to learn the least. Because it is so straightforward. It's just what Paul does. He goes and he makes music. I, I think with Paul's, the, the greatest thing in the book is the interview with producer Jeff Glixman. And Jeff, this was one of the, the I think, the first major sit-down interviews Jeff had done, solely focused on Paul's album when we first uh, published it. Now, he really sets the record straight on how he and Paul didn't gel, so you get a better feel for how the sessions and the the creative processes were working and how Paul was at odds with the role that Jeff was brought in to do. You know, he's brought in as as what he thought was going to be a producer for the album, where Paul only really wanted an engineer. Uh He didn't want someone with ideas. So that very much sums up Paul's album you know, being Paul's album. He wasn't going to have the input of someone else. 
But I, I think another thing with Falls is we learned where the songs were inspired from, and at the time we weren't able to publish this. One of the interviewees, Gling, Doug, who was in balance with Bob Keelick, told us that most of the songs were inspired by Paul's relationship then with Carol Kay. And mm. that hadn't been publicized. It's since been put in Paul's book, so I'm able to say that now. Um, so we had to leave that out. But that, that was a, a real revelation to understand where those kind of emotions and songs were coming from. Yeah. His, his autobiography, Paul's autobiography, also changed. Uh, Yesterday is far away, take me out to sea, uh, together as one. He talks about that sort of dark feeling that he gets inside of himself and the, the nightmares he keeps having about sort of being adrift in the middle of an ocean. And I keep thinking of that when I hear that song. What a brilliant record that is from top to bottom, though. And now you understand where the, the lyrics are coming from, you know, yeah. from a personal relationship that obviously is very deep and meaningful to him at the time, um, regardless of it, you know, not ultimately lasting. But, you know, it's very touching. Now, now you see a softer side of Paul you know, not necessarily as business-like or as focused or, you know, the, kind of the Paul everyone expects to see and, 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 and think they know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, speaking of Paul's record, you know, the, the, the rankings that you gave, I think, are, are very much the rankings that most KISS fans give, maybe not in that exact order, but generally there's sort of the, the top half and the bottom half. And you have Paul and Ace in the top and uh, Gene and Peter on the bottom, right, in terms of people's preferences. And I wonder, when you were going through the interviews and talking to people about the, the, the records, the performers who participated on, say, Gene's album or Peter's album, do they share that feeling about those records that a lot of KISS fans seem to have? In other words, that they aren't successful albums uh, musically. No, it's absolutely the, the other way around. They, they don't consider any of the albums to be unsuccessful. They look at it purely from a musician's point of view, and, and for the most part, they don't present anything that we might consider a fan point of view. That they they see all the strong points of these albums from a musical perspective of how they're executed, rather than the emotive side of how we like a song or not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're all such well-performed albums. That, you know, for everything from the the vocals from the Kiss members to every you know instrument that you hear you know on on every record is just really good musicianship it, it's not just the musicianship it's the production it's everything that goes with the album from from the musicians playing a single note to how it's captured to how it's mixed there's just a perfection across them for me anyway and I'm, I'm sure some people with more technical aplomb than myself can probably pick some holes here and there but look at the work each of the producers did Sean Delaney absolutely incredible job on Gene's album yes. I mean he, he took a lot of the things that I, I actually um, compare him a little bit to Bob Ezrin in part you know for taking kind of the storytelling audio sounds that you'd expect on an Ezrin album and applying it on jeans but you know Sean was so damn creative on his own mm -hmm. that uh, you know he just was an incredible person you know Paul's production of his own work and Jeff's work with him you know just speaks volume that the clarity of I just love the sound of Paul's album it's just insanely good Vinnie Poncia what he did with Peters it's just so perfectly recorded, and the people who worked on these just nail it. You know, I love to hear outtakes because there's just a perfection in the performances as well. And, you know, I haven't said anything about Aces, but I don't think I need to. Aces, you know, next to perfection in the dictionary, Aces solo is probably right there.
Ace's album also almost makes up for um, what you you know what the Kiss catalog suffers from, which is a lack of Ace. You know, you, we get you know two or three Ace songs, well, two really uh, Ace vocals up to the point of the solo albums, and um, you know pitifully few co-writes, all of which are dynamite songs. Um, yeah, and that's a key, yeah. that's a key thing to kind of keep in mind as well. Here's 1978. You're getting nine songs from Ace, eight with vocals. Um, before that, you get Rocket Ride and Shock Me, which are fantastic songs. But for the two albums before that, Destroyer and Rock and Roll Over, you know, one of them being Kiss's seminal album, there's not much Ace presence on there in terms of songwriting, and certainly he hadn't done a vocal yet. So. It really makes up, and he, he plays catch-up in a big way. Yeah. If you think about his early contributions to the band, Cold Gin, Parasite, wow, you know, extremely good songs. But in 1978, the extreme quality of his songs are on his own album, so it makes up for there being nothing in 1976. Julian, do you, I may have missed this in the book, and I might, I, I'm also you know going through it as closely as I can. Really, I want to soak up the whole thing, but was there ever any talk? of having a, a solo album tour where that was the bulk of the material that they played. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. I can't you know, imagine. I, I think the talk about any solo album performances was how odd it would have been to try to do that. And that's why instead of doing anything like that, they actually did listening parties. You know, they, they spun up a few songs from each of the albums and put them on reel and took them around for people to listen to. That's as far as any touring got, and it didn't involve the band. Right. And it's a shame, because some of that stuff sounded great on the Dynasty tour, I think. You know, it's really amazing that when the band go on tour in 1979, that they pick songs that hadn't been the singles. Um, obviously, Paul, Move On, had not been released. And for Peter, Tossing and Turning was selected to be performed by, the, by Kiss, instead of any of the songs that have been released on the two singles, or the three songs for that matter. So it, it, it's very strange from that perspective, but thank goodness they had New York groove. Absolutely. You want to do something now for you? Something about our hometown? Talking about New York City? This is called
New York Groove, right? What, what song do you think, uh, you know, if any of them from the solo records could have survived like New York Groove did in terms of the live repertoire? What songs would you pick? That would have survived like New York Groove? None, really, because that was the only hit. I, I, I think for the performance, they really needed something that resonated. And it was obvious that none of the singles, anyway, res resonated. If I was going to pick a song that I would have loved for them to perform, it would probably be another one off Ace's album. Uh, rather than anything off Paul's and or Jeans, hmm. I mean, I think maybe on Jeans they could have done something a little bit more uh, rock and roll than Radioactive because that really didn't work out too well live, in my opinion. I'm sure a lot of people love it, but you know, I think I would have had a Man of a Thousand Faces or Burning Up with Fever. That would have been cool. At least that was a Kiss song, anyway. So, right. right.
you know, since you've written the book or when you were making the book, did you ever get a chance to go back and listen to uh, much of the press that Kiss themselves did around the time of, of these albums release? Let's say like the, we've played it on the show before, the Black, the black Box interviews with all four members, and then there was also some, some other interviews that they did. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was an important part of, we have a section at the beginning of the book called In the Spotlight, where we both wrote up, you know, basic album focuses, really, about all four of the albums. So I went back into a lot of the radio interviews and also the black box ones to get the official words, you know, that of what they were saying around the time about the albums. You know, that was a really good source for their opinions you know, and, and a lot of it was PR back then, so, but, you know, it was still the, the line that they were selling. What strikes me, though, uh, you know, aside from, like you said, that sort of the, the PR bit of, you know, this is Kiss and everything's going smoothly and everyone gets along just fine and this is why they're doing, you know, all that kind of the crap. What does strike me about those interviews that they were doing at the time was it, it's very much a focus on the musicianship. Like you, you listen to Gene talking about his record, and he's talking about playing acoustic guitar. He's talking about how it's tuned and, and recorded. It, it does seem like they were very much into the musical aspect of this, you know, sort of as is reflected in your book. Yeah, they had to be. You know, when they're releasing a solo album, it's all about them. So musically, they have to be the focus. And for Gene as a person who didn't play bass on his own album, I mean, he was very proud of the fact in interviews of saying, I'm, I didn't play bass, you know? I'm playing guitar because I want it to be about the songs, not about the bass player. Well, mm -hmm. It's one of the, the key things that he, he kind of makes very clear. And that makes a lot of sense. Or Ace, when he talks about how he plays everything, and, you know, just a couple of occasions where he doesn't get anything, they really get into the solo point of view of, this is me, this is, for Ace, this is me, I'm on bass, I'm playing every single instrument on this except drums you know so it, it's it's very much in celebrating what they've done and they're they're rightfully proud when they're when they're talking about what they do musically on these albums they have every reason to be proud even to this day say is the most controversial aspect or song of the entire solo project that they undertook the most controversial song uh, you know I, I think it would probably have to be off Peter's album and that would be the songs that Peter really had nothing to do with that end up with him getting the songwriting credit because of record label politics that's that's the only controversy that I, I can really think of from that perspective are any of the songs musically controversial no I, you know, I would have thought you would have said uh, as you mentioned earlier when you wish upon a star well that's not controversial at all I mean because that's just you know that that's emotional and you know that's just Gene paying homage to everything so I don't find it controversial. I think it's ironic that he was 
in December of 1978 hosting a Disney party. You know, did he have a commercial tie-in in 1978? You know, I'm going to put this on my album, Disney. Mm. Do I get to host a party for the re- re-release of the uh, Pinocchio movie? <laughs> okay, Mr. Simmons, you did a very nice job. Yes, you can. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Is it bullshit or is it real? Is Gene really expressing sentiment on that album, in your opinion, bullshit or real? Uh, really bullshit? Yeah, <laughs> you know it, it's Gene. Gene is Gene is yin and yang at times. Yes and no. You know, mm-hmm. he's how many faces? It's it's like the like the old Japanese adage of everyone has three faces: one for the one for the public, one for yourself, and one for your family. So, which face are you really seeing? That he's the man of a thousand faces. Yes, it's. I think it's totally honest. And it was only in kind of listening to the people talk about Gene while he's recording these albums that I really came to that conclusion. I, I had been rather cynical about Gene before that. Like he, like the long list of thanks on the back of his album, I just thought that was egotistical, that he's out of control, that he's just name-dropping. And then you see the other side of the coin, and it's he's celebrating. He's proud of what he's accomplished. He's come to America. He's embodying the American dream. You know, he, he when you wish upon a star, you know, as cornball as I find it, you know, it to Gene, it's a celebration. And, you know, that that's just a wonderful thing to kind of consider. And it's almost like, will I ever get this chance again? Or can you believe that this is actually happening? And it's the latter of those two. You know, can you believe me, Gene Simmons, is in a rock band who are the biggest band in my mind in 1978. And I'm getting to do a solo album, and I get to, I've get i got Cher next to me, and I can speed dial, or have someone speed dial any musician I want. Hell, I can even get Lassie to bark for me, uh-huh. even use the recording. So, yeah, absolutely. Very good. Yeah, I believe that he's 100% sincere in this as just as as sincere as Paul and Ace were and do you get that same feeling from Peter Chris I think Peter's material is very sincere regardless of the source that it comes from mm-hmm. or the need for him to to be recycling stuff from 1971 with you know Stan you know the the, the lips material I, I I don't think that's pertinent in the discussion of Peter's material I I think it's very very honest in, in so many ways the cover that they chose to do um, you know Tossing and Turning is, is an absolutely great song the work they did on uh, You Matter to Me and I'll tell you what I still I, I still think a missed opportunity for Kiss was not doing a, a hard rock concert live version of That's the Kind of Sugar Papa Likes I, 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 maybe I'm the only person on planet earth who hears that in his head the way that I do but that could have started, you know, like the, you know, the, the sort of heavy drums leading into that. And Peter's vocals, uh, you know, turn up the electric guitars on that song. And I think it is a Kiss classic that just never got to be a Kiss classic. My two cents. That, that's an that's a interesting two cents. And, you know, I wouldn't disagree with it. When you figure that they did Tossing and Turning when they've got That's the Kind of Sugar Papa Likes or Hooked on Rock and Roll from mm-hmm. that, you know, either of those. Peter Chris's album. Something for all the girls out 
But I, I think the best thing I can say about Peter's album is I Can't Stop the Rain. When the only love I ever had just slips away right through my fingers. Ain't it a shame when I think of your name? The only memory I have is Every time I, hear, I have to sing the praises of that whenever Peter's album comes into a conversation just because it is just so wonderful. My only criticism is, you know, Spotlights and Lonely Nights, I would have loved to have on this album. And that's the one outtake that did not make Peter's album. Um, and hopefully one day they will do proper deluxe editions of all these solo albums and they'll be able to put some of the demos from Peter's sessions and that outtake on because it'd be wonderful for everyone to hear. And liner notes by Tim and Julian. There you go. Do you think that we ever actually will see that kind of a box set where, no. you know, we get the deluxe edition? So I, I don't expect any deluxe editions of any kind of uh, consequence. I, I think Kiss are more likely to do a box set too with a lot of the kind of outtakes. And I, I think any of the things that are tied to Ace and Peter we're likely to see less of, as is often the case, which yeah. is unfortunate, but uh, a business necessity, probably. I think the sales figures for recent uh, releases, probably when a record label looks at those sorts of numbers and says, well, you're supposed to have a Kiss Army, why aren't they buying this shit, yeah. um, is, is just, you know, regardless of the, the criticisms that we could legitimately lay at both Resurrected and the Love Gun so-called Deluxe, to make it very understandable why there wasn't the interest in those products, that they're not going to get their thinking right, and I don't think fans are going to change their thinking about what KISS Deluxe Editions should be, and therefore there's very little point in pursuing them. I think they would sell more copies than the Monster Book, right? Anyone can sell more copies than the Monster Book. <laughs> How many did that sell, Julian? I think the last count was it was up to about 115 when we had the uh, chap from London on the message board... Uh, wondering whether he could sell the pages by themselves. You know, I'll tell you what, maybe there's a different model for um, making that material available, something like a download club. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure this has been discussed many times, but you know, the, in, in the long, long annals of uh, Kiss's missed opportunities, making things available online that are rarities or, or just putting the shows up for people to download, that stuff I think would do very well. In this day and age, it boggles the mind that they haven't caught on to bands like Pearl Jam or Metallica. It's very clear that KISS has a different relationship legally and contractually with Universal, to which the rights 
uh, you know, th th there's a business side to the music business that often doesn't play well with what we want. But, uh, you know, it, it would just be ideal to leverage iTunes. So here's your digital download. If you remember a couple years ago, the Beatles put out all their 1963 radio recordings in order to maintain copyright on them. Yes. So you got this massive download of incredible performances. It would be great one day just to you, you pop open iTunes and there's a, a 40 track Kiss compilation of here's stuff from the vault, you know, Kiss Vault 1. Mm. Um, you know, forget the CDs as much as I like them. You know, if I was just getting an iTunes download, I'd be a very happy camper. Right, so I got a question for you, Julian. This book was obviously such a labor of love, and um, it, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. What is next for Julian Gill, the Kiss author extraordinaire? Well, when it comes to Kiss books, the first thing you need is an ISBN number, and I bought a log of ISBN numbers many years ago, and I'm down to my last two. Uh -oh. So, 
that means before I have to buy another block of ten, I can possibly do two more books. And one is done and will come out in 2016, hopefully, because uh, there are always other things that need to happen. Uh, but it's it's essentially sitting done. I've got a bound galley sitting right here beside me. So there'll be another book, at least, and maybe, and maybe one other. But uh, you know, I, I think my time is nearly done as a as an author. I've accomplished more than I ever set out to to try and do in terms of documenting Kiss's history and celebrating everything that they've accomplished. That hopefully there'll be other people as the band winds down or even disappears that they think of things that they really would like to dig into and you know I, I hope some other people pick up on some of the ideas like Kiss Sweet uh, the Swedish Kiss fans did with their Kiss and Svensk book you know a, a book all about the Kiss and everything they accomplished in your in your country but to do it on a level that can be read by other people I'd love to see a book dedicated to Kiss in Germany or Kiss in South America or Kiss in Japan you know, I like to see other people do that, but for me, uh, those aren't my stories to tell. Well, you've left, I, I would say, an indelible mark on sort of the Kiss bibliography, um, because the you know not just the the book that you just put out, but you know all of these books. And, and I'm, I'm not joking; there really is a shelf here that I'm looking at that is just Julian Gill Kiss books. And you always learn something amazing when you read a Julian Gill Kiss book. So, I, I mean, I, I feel. On behalf of the whole Kiss Army, thank you so much for for Kiss FAQ, for the books that you've written, and for just the continued dedication to um, really like putting Kiss out there and exploring Kiss in ways that Kiss themselves just aren't going to do. You know, I, I think when we look at the shelf of Kiss books that have my name on it, um, they're going to keep the grammar police happy for many years, <laughs> and it's just a reinforcement, really, to if you if you have the ability or the budget to do so certainly invest in a professional editor would you like to tell people where they can find the book yeah actually that'd be a really good idea you know if you want more information about the book and some sample chapters your first stop should be kiss78soloalbums.com that's a little micro website that i've got set up right now and if you head over there you can see the contents of the book and read samples from Richie Rano, who worked on Gene Simmons' album, Rob Freeman, who's the engineer on Ace's album at Plaza Sound, and uh, one we just added today is Carol Ross DeBurro, who worked at the press office. So, you know, that that's three different areas of kind of performance that you can check out at kiss78soulalbums.com, and we've got all the links to the various places that you can go and purchase the book if you're interested in it, whether it's iTunes, Kindle, or physical product direct from CreateSpace or on Amazon. The new unofficial and unsanctioned KISS book, Gene, Ace, Peter and Paul, celebrates the legendary 1978 KISS solo albums. Released simultaneously, KISS became the first major rock band to attempt such a major endeavor. The book features interviews with more than 30 musicians, engineers, producers, arrangers, those most intimately involved in the creation of the solo albums. The book is available in paperback and Kindle formats at Amazon.com and in iBook formats at iTunes. Please visit Kiss78SoloAlbums.com for further information. Well, Julian, we want to thank you for being on the podcast today, and we'd like to encourage our listeners to 
purchase, whether it's the physical copy or the download, go to Amazon.com or any of the places that Julian mentioned. You can find the book. We recommend it highly as we do all of his KISS FAQ books. They are excellent and Julian, we want to thank you for being a tremendous supporter of the podcast because I'm honestly not sure that we would have made it this long without your support. I'm pretty sure you would have, Ken. You know, you put out quality product. You know, it's number one, you, you meet the primary goal and you're entertaining and fun to listen to. And you know what? I still love lives listening to the podcast. You entertain and you're fun and you celebrate. And that's what it really should be about. I'd like to thank Gary as well. But most of all, I think if I could just thank everyone out there who has supported the numerous KISS FAQ projects over the years, you know, it's very much appreciated. We're, we're fan-based. We're not professional. I know it shows at times, but you're very much appreciated. And I hope everyone who does get this book or reads any of the samples enjoys it. Absolutely. And we want to encourage people to also check out the KISS FAQ podcast. You can see it on YouTube various places or on iTunes you can download and listen to the audio version of it so we're glad to have another KISS podcast a good positive one in the ranks so hello to everybody over there alright well thank you for listening to your podcast and Bon Voyage yeah Bon, bon Voyage rate us on iTunes find us on Facebook and uh, thank you for listening Anything else, Gary? Yeah, that's... You son of a bitch. He loves to have me edit my ass off, anyway. It'd be nice if I could edit my ass off, anyway. Alright. Hey, that's a podcast. Edit your ass off. Hey, there you go. And that is our show. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com. Big thanks to Julian and everyone at kissfaq.com. They've got great information there and a terrific message board, too. Thanks also to Keith LaRue and everyone else at Kiss Online for their great work representing the hottest band in the land. And as always, a big thanks to Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulik, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memory of the late great Eric Carr, and the late great Mark St. John. You are KISS, and we are your army. Podcast is created by the KISS Army for the KISS Army, and it is available for free as an internet download. If you like what you hear on our show, go buy it and support the people who made it. Podcast is not affiliated with KISS or any of its members past or present. On behalf of myself, Ken, and the whole rest of the Podcast crew, Thank you for listening to Podcast, the KISS fanzine for your ears. What song what song from the solo albums do you think? I Gary, I can't hear you. Right. you got it. What song What I, song? No, go again. <laughs> yeah, and how odd, you know, they go out on tour and do they choose to form any wait, of the songs Wait, wait, what what the hell is that? What? Gary, are you doing something? Yeah, I'm sorry, sorry, yeah. Well, um, stop it. Alright, I'm done. Okay, take that again, sorry. Somebody was being a fool. <laughs> stop eating pretzels while the mic's on. Yeah, alright, go. Uh, uh, hey, uh... The kiss and... Uh,
The Kiss. Yeah, The Kiss. I like the band The Kiss, you know, it's a very nice. Check out these ads from the following shows. We are proud to call them the friends of the Podkiss Network. We are one. We're a scene man. That's right, Kiss Army. We're having a rock and roll party, and you are invited. Tune into the Strange Ways Kiss Podcast and hang out with your Kiss Army brothers, Jody Havnock, Clinton Harris, and D Rock. Join us where we celebrate and discuss the gods of thunder. That's Strange Ways Kiss Podcast. You can find us on Facebook or Podomatic.com. We'll see you there. It's time to play Hooky with the Wookie with Matt Porter in the Kiss Room. You wanted the best, you got the best. And if you want the hottest show on Monco Radio, join us in the Kiss Room. The Kiss Room is a monthly radio broadcast celebrating the hottest band in the world. Kiss! It's your place for all things Kiss and some... For broadcast dates and all information, go to thekissroom.com. The Kiss Room broadcasts live and worldwide on Monco Radio, where music and minds meet. Hey, I'm Dr. Fuck. And I'm the Ayatollah of Alcohola. And we are from the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. If you want to check out some crazy, uncensored, unbiased, totally nuts reviews of classic hard rock and heavy metal albums, Check us out. You can get us on Podbean and iTunes. New episodes every Sunday. That's right. And we also do each other's moms. True. Free of charge. Well, mine charges. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mine's free. Kistory Science Theater. The most civilized. Oh, f***. (laughs) Oh, f***. Come on. (laughs) Respectful. Just imagine Gene with like, like a with like a washtub base. Boom, 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 boom. And serious. No wait. Excuse me, Bob. You're gonna come over and do my album. <laughs> Kiss podcast on the web. History science theory. We bust balls because we care. Rock and roll and vinyl are meant to go together. <laughs> like drummers and strippers. <laughs> That's right. So maybe it's time to hop on down to your local record store and go digging for some lost gems. On vinyl. And that's exactly what we do here at the Shabby Road Record Show. We pick selections from our own personal record collections, and then we discuss the songs, the artists, the albums, and the stories about the music that you may have never heard. And there's nothing more fun than listening to two knuckleheads spinning vinyl and talking music. So dive on into the five-star rated podcast, The Shabby Road Record Show. You can subscribe for free on iTunes, Spreaker, and Stitcher, where there's a new episode released every Tuesday. Also, you can find us on Facebook and at our website, ShabbyRoadRecordShow.com. Hey, this is Nick, co-host of The Pot of Thunder, the only KISS podcast that breaks down the entire KISS song catalog one track at a time. Every week we have a new song chosen at random, and we do our best to analyze it. We talk about KISS-related topics and non-KISS-related topics, all the while trying not to kill each other. If you like the sound of that, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and especially on iTunes. Pot of Thunder! 
Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... You'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll, and it's always free. Podcast Rock City. What's up, everybody? This is Joe from Podcast Rock City, where every week, me and my crew will bring you the Kiss News of the Week. Look at us as kind of a Kiss version of Meet the Press. Your source for Kiss news every week. We're on iTunes, Podomatic, Twitter, and Facebook. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting Podkissed, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your Podkissed. Every month, the Podkissed crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkissed. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkissed. The Podkissed, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. Hi, this is Jason Herner with Kiss My Wax, a brand new podcast about all things Kiss Vinyl. Be sure to join myself, Andrew Scambatti, and Tom Shannon each episode as we discuss the crazy world of collecting Kiss Vinyl. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Kiss My Wax and on YouTube by searching Kiss My Wax. We hope to see you all there. We're great at that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's we are amateurs. Yeah, I make all the sex sounds with my mouth afterwards. <sniffs> Squish. You guys belong in a mental institution. That's how we met, actually. It was lovely. Yeah. Look. Ooh. This place oh. is nice. Right? I'm glad you wore your nice flip-flops. <sighs> Stay frosty, man. Okay.